So hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of a Lucid Life podcast. I, of course, am Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined by a very, very special guest uh, who needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it because I'm afraid she'll hurt me. Uh, she has <laughs> a nickname that I've coined, the Lucid Killer. But I kind of feel like if I'm being honest, we might need to change that to the Lucid Butterfly Killer. I'm not sure why I get that vibe. But uh, this is uh, Lana Sackwild. So hello, Lana. Hey, thank you. Awesome intro. Loving the nicknames. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited to have you and very excited to have you on the podcast and to talk to you because I know of all the people that I've met, and there isn't very many of them, honestly, that are lucid dreamers in my life, you're one of the ones that I know has seemingly a, a lot of similar life experience along with the component of lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that you're a scientific researcher on top of that also, I think, adds another layer to the thing that I think kind of demystifies what lucid dreaming is and makes it, to me, much more interesting. So that's why I wanted to have you on to pick your brain for all the different life experiences and, you know, what you know about this, this thing and everything. So my first question for you would be, how did you get your start? Like, how did you find out about lucid dreaming and what kind of led you down this path? Yeah. um, Thank you for having me on. And um, I love to do this kind of thing, especially with someone who actually, like yourself, has the experience in it. I've been on a lot of podcasts in the past that where I've been talking to people who don't necessarily fully comprehend the topic. And that makes it very difficult to dive deeper into discussion. So I'm super excited. Yeah, I got into it as a child. And one of those, I guess, lucky people that have seen yeah always (laughs) been able to do it um although yeah I I first started when I was about four or five years old um through nightmare work so um as a kid I had a lot a lot of really bad nightmares um and my kind of typical routine was like you know go to school come home do homework watch cartoons go to bed, have nightmares. And um, I think just like one night, I had this thought about how if I have a nightmare tonight, and I managed to change everything to be cartoon like, then it won't be as scary. Um, And then I remember the, the yeah, my first lucid dream being exactly that like being in this forest with all these kind of like Disney villain-esque type um, (laughs) monsters and getting this thought of like all right if I'm able to change everything into cartoon it won't be scary right um and I recalled like the the kind of kids cartoon tv show that I watched was called CITV um and it had this big yellow button as the logo so I kind of like thought about that and then saw that appear in the dream and like smacked the button and everything suddenly like morphed into cartoon. And I thought that was so funny and I could change the size and the shape and make these like big scary monsters, like these tiny little people. <laughs> cartoon yeah, yeah. People. Um, and that's kind of how it all began, really. So you kind of, you used it as a tool to overcome some of your childhood trauma, like the things that you were experiencing that scared you, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I definitely, at that time, I obviously wasn't like 
I didn't know what lucid dreaming was. I didn't know that I was experiencing trauma, um, but it was, I guess, my kid brain of being like, having no boundaries in that aspect of like, oh, you can't do that in a dream or that kind of stuff that I feel like stops a lot of adults yeah. getting into lucid dream work. Yeah. Now. Like, nobody, nobody told you that you couldn't do it. So you didn't have that <laughs> kind of constrained framework of mind. So, okay. That makes yeah. sense. And it's interesting that you say that and that that's how your life experience with it started. <clears throat> Cause the mm -hmm. people that I know that are naturals like you, like that they started at young ages or figured it out at a very young age. I don't want to say that it's like, exclusively this but it seems like that there's a re reoccurring theme of they discovered it because of something in their life happened that they were afraid of that was like, mm -hmm. like for one example I'll, i want to jump into your <clears throat> your butterfly story which i thought was fucking awesome and phenomenal yeah um, for those that aren't for those the, for those that are listening to this in the future and for those that are watching this in the future Lana just shared her second episode of Get Lucid with Lana, where she talked about using fear as a tool for getting yourself to your goals and everything, which I think is a very <clears throat> strong proponent of something that we as humans should be doing. Because I, I feel like I know some people that when they get into this state of fear, they don't know how, how to like turn the switch and use it as like a motivator and use it. Like yeah. for me, <clears throat> a lot of times what will happen is I get, if I'm afraid of something, there'll be like this moment that happens where all of a sudden I get angry at the fact that I'm afraid of it and allowing it to kind of manipulate my thoughts and my, my feelings and everything. And I'll use that anger to kind of push me through the fear. So like you had said, showing up even when you don't want to. Yeah. So for those that haven't seen or listened to her second episode yet, you talked about butterflies. So do you want to just quickly go into your butterfly story real quick and then I'll kind of touch yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as you were saying, I, I was talking about the moments that um, we use fear to excel in something. And um, for me, one of the fears that was following me around for the longest time was uh, a huge phobia of butterflies. Um, and this started up because my dad took me to a butterfly house um, when I was a really little kid in a floral jacket. Um, and so I, I walked into this butterfly house and was absolutely swarmed by hundreds of butterflies <laughs> that were like bigger than my head and just like flapping around and uh. touching me. And I can still really like remember that moment. It was so traumatic. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a really annoying phobia because yeah, pretty much everyone I know is like, you know, all oh, butterflies are so pretty. Yeah. And they're, they're such beautiful creatures and they're on like birthday cards and like gifted to people and they're all these psychedelic colors and patterns and to me they're just like these disgusting little furry <laughs> creatures with the long tongues that yeah, like to you it's all like fuck that shit yeah. yeah and and at that like really physical level as well where yeah, I'd get myself in these um, frustrating situations where I'd be at a party or an outdoor gathering and be trying to talk with someone, connect to someone, and then there would be this butterfly, like, <laughs> looming. <laughs> and I knew that I was just going to have this freak out and I'd have to, like, run or scream. And, and it was just becoming really embarrassing and just, like, not a good situation to have following me 
forever. And so how, how old, like how old were you at that point when, when you decided to utilize what you knew about <clears throat> lucid dreaming to get over that? How old were you then? Um, this was just like a very recently, like within oh. the last couple of years. Yeah. Oh. It really took me like up until super recently. I think it was in my first year of my master's. So maybe like 2016 or 2017. Okay. Uh, not super long ago. So it was uh, like last week. Okay, gotcha. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> right. You did it on the way over here. Okay, I got it. Totally good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just last night. Well, I think that's awesome that you were able to kind of figure that out regardless of when it happened. Because I feel like yeah. that, for me, you know, you've, you've heard some of my, like, talking about the addiction and everything. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I wanted to get into lucid dreaming personally was because of an addiction to meth, but not just an addiction to meth. I have a very addictive personality in general. Mm -hmm. I can, if I enjoy something, I want more of it and a lot more of it. Like that's kind of just who I am as a person. And yeah. so I use that as a sort of means. One of the reasons that I got into it was, okay. I, ha I don't think I've said this to other people outside of like a select few people, but part of the reason why I use meth as frequently as I did apart from like the shit that happened in my life was I didn't like the fact at that time that there was that every night there would be like an eight hour period where I just didn't fucking remember what I was doing. Yeah. And there'd be like six, eight hours where I would have to go to sleep and not remember what the fuck I did. It'd be like, I would, it felt like I was wasting parts of my life and not being able yeah. to remember any of it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when I got into lucid dreaming, there was that aspect of it, of learning to do, to do that so that I could, remember what I was doing for those periods of time during my nights. Mm -hmm. I could go on these adventures and do all the sorts of things and fucking have these superpowers, you know? Yeah. And one of the ways that <clears throat> I also wanted to do it was because of the fact that I hated having those relapse dreams. They were like in and of themselves, they were these, their own traumas. And yeah. So for those that don't know very much like you did, you can use lucid dreaming to get over like honestly i should be what you did i thought it was so funny that you had like that phobia because i don't have that phobia but i have the same sort of visceral reaction when it comes to spiders and i've yeah. often thought about using lucid dreaming with spiders like to get over that kind of reservation of like oh you fucking die you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and, i actually said that recently i don't know if you saw in the group that i was posting a dream about i had all these spiders all over me this wasn't a lucid dream oh. but it was just this disgusting like dream i had these spiders all over me and the concept of the dream was um i was in this kind of group of people and they were saying that we had to just do this like funky dance to like just shake them off mm. um right. so it was like me and a bunch of people in this room doing this like shaking dance to get these spiders off but it was this like terrifying thing but then that kind of like got in my head of like oh you know when you interact with a spider or if there's a spider on you it doesn't have to be so scary because we were laughing so much about mm. doing this like shaking dance in the dream that's interesting yeah that's interesting yeah i mean honestly if i could incorporate some of that into my actual life i feel like i'd be much better off because <laughs> it's the same sort of thing like for me in spiders it's like <clears throat> if i see them ahead of time like, if I know that they're there, I won't get scared. Like, I can deal with them. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like to kill them if I don't have to because I realize that yeah. they play a very important part to, you know, keeping the insect population down. And, you know, 
they're more friend than than they are foe. At least they should be. But don't tell that to my monkey self. My monkey self is like, <laughs> you know, just fucking kill him and shit. But if they get the jump on me, I will fucking squeal. I will mm-hmm. toss shit over. I will run. Like there's there's no bravery when it comes to me being surprised by spiders. So mm. I, I've been thinking about doing that for a long time of trying to incorporate them into a lucid dream to just get over that. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend it. That was fucking badass because I've met other people uh, when I was first coming up before I met any of you guys. And to those that are wondering what group chat, <clears throat> I'm very fortunate <laughs> to be amongst other lucid dreamers now, um, <clears throat> a kind of content creation group. And we all, are doing our own separate thing, but we're all helping each other kind of build each other up also. So we have a group chat that if you miss two hours of it, all of a sudden there's 600 messages that you don't see and have to go through, but it's awesome. But there was this one girl that I knew way before all of this who had this very, I don't want to say irrational because it's like, it's a scary thing when you think about it, but Mm -hmm. it was irrational at the time because I don't think she ever had anything happen. There was this Mm -hmm. girl I used to work with who had this fear of somebody coming up behind her and like either strangling her or like doing something gnarly like slitting her throat or some shit yeah and she had like recurring nightmares of this over and over and over again and when i told her about lucid dreaming like i was like have you ever like heard of lucid dreaming or tried to do that and i explained to her what it was she's like oh no i'll have to try that Mm. not even a week later she has a lucid dream and then she's able to fucking hang on i'm gonna mute mute that she's able to basically she had a lucid dream where that situation happened and she was able to conquer it and then yeah. she had another nightmare another recurring nightmare ever since then so the yeah. potential of being able to overcome your fears and your phobias and you know get over your own shit i think is so powerful and it's one of the one of the things that i think is so essential to our species and our evolution is being able to dive into lucid dreaming for that aspect yeah yeah, it's got such like instant repair mechanisms. It's crazy. And and it's like one of those things that a lot of the time, um, same for me, like with my research and working with people who have been using it for depression, anxiety, mental health issues. Um, a lot of the participants in the study, they don't even necessarily have to truly understand like where that trauma is entirely stemming from or if they're having recurring nightmares and stuff like that it's exactly like you said with your friend just that concept of being like okay the next time this happens I'm gonna get lucid and just be like no this isn't happening anymore and then yeah so many of them found that just never again literally just from that like conscious awareness kicking in and being like no I've had enough of this I'm good without it now yeah and then it just stops so you've you found it or it found you at like four years old and so how did it how did it take off from there was it like uh was it like you just had an an innate awareness of the fact that oh I can do this now and so I'm fucking just gonna do this all the time or did it happen like every now and again and it was very sparse or what I mean I've always been interested in dreams for sure like I, I have dream journals from that age as well Um, So I was definitely paying attention to dreams. And I think I just thought um, the same as now, like, it's just the coolest fucking thing. Like you get to have your own little movie, essentially. And then if you can be conscious during that and do cool shit in it, like, why not? Um, 
And so I like as a kid, I started using it just for stuff that I would be doing, like uh, dance rehearsal or riding a bike or practicing for a test or like all of these kind of kid things that were in my life. Um, and then it was only when I kind of got to high school, uh, like beginning of high school level, um, where I'd, I'd been following my dream stuff for so long. And I was that kid that always tells people like, oh, you showed up with my dream and we were doing this. Um, and then I started realizing when I was talking with people about dreams that mine were super weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was using them for problems throughout my life, both problems and just my own kind of virtual playground. I'm still like baffled to this day, as I'm sure you are as well, of like why people are not interested in this stuff. Yeah, it, it's one of those <laughs> things, man, where it really is a mind fuck, you know, because once yeah. it's one of those things, and I said this on my on my last episode with my last guest, that it's it's kind of hard to explain to somebody who's never actually done it, who's never mm. actually been there, who's never actually experienced the intense clarity that happens once you become lucid like all of a sudden everything just becomes a hundred times more vivid and more quote-unquote real than mm. real you know and the sense of one the sense of awe that i feel every time that it happens where i'm just like oh i'm fucking back here okay this yeah. is okay what, what do i want to do now and then the fact that you can literally do whatever you want to do and mm. have it happen you know is it's one of the weird, I, I've been wrestling this idea for a while and the notion that you were saying like, you probably wonder why people don't want to do it. I think it's because we have this weird ingrained thing in our brains that says that it's not real. And so mm. because we think it's not real or we perceive that it's not real, that it makes it for some reason less important or less worthwhile mm. to actually explore or put in the time and the energy into you know, yeah. which, you know, to be perfectly honest, there was a time in my life where I was sort of on that mindset also, where, mm. you know, because I can remember, I can remember specific dreams when I was a kid that were like borderline nightmare that mm. involved like, that involved like a killer whale, like me being in some kind of pool or something in this mm. killer whale was like trying, and for the record, the killer whales are probably my second favorite animal on the planet animal being whatever after dogs after fidel specifically killer whales would be the num the next one on the list for me and so oh. i had this recurring nightmare as a kid of like this kill killer whale trying to attack me and everything and being like swimming towards like the land and there was this fucking like this half goat half man with like an axe on the shore waiting for me and so i couldn't get out of the water and i couldn't like leave the water either yeah that thing over and over again but there was some part of me that was like well it's not real so it doesn't really fucking it doesn't matter like you know yeah. as a young kid i was like well thank god that shit's not real you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah for sure when, when you go and you have these nightmarish experiences it has like a visceral and real effect on your body which i'm probably since with you do so much on the the actual studies of it you probably have seen a lot of this that when people have nightmares there's like a physical reaction to their body like their their heartbeat starts going a thousand miles an hour they start actually sweating they can you know yeah the things they're experiencing have a real reaction to the body so it's like why mm -hmm. is that any less real than 
anything else that they from the things that they would experience in waking life yeah i think it's it's interesting because um yeah talking about it not being real and talking to people about how you know maybe we're using lucid dreams as an escape like an escape from reality or even regular dreams as an escape or whatever but it's like you can say that about anything you know um and i think things are real if you decide you want them to be real like if you want the work you do in a lucid dream uh to to bring it back to your waking life and integrate it into your knowledge and how you live your life and decisions that you make then how is that any less real than what what you do when you're awake and you make a decision totally yeah you were talking about how you used it for like practicing tests and everything like that i've used i've used lucid dreaming for practicing auditions practicing for anyone that doesn't know or hasn't had the exposure lucid dreaming is literally like if you want it to be this you can make it this and that it's your ultimate practice facility so mm-hmm. anything like you've read uh i, I guarantee you have but Stephen LeBurge's book exploring the yeah. world of lucid dreaming. so i can remember <clears throat> i can remember one of the earlier chapters him talking about this and that there was like some guy who i want to say he was he was like in a symphony or something or he was a member mm-hmm. of a symphony and he had like some really big performance on a big stage that he'd never been on before. And he was like, well, fuck, I got to fucking practice this shit. Otherwise I'm going to just be a ball of nerves for the whole thing. And so he practices this intense orchestra performance in like the facility that he would have actually been in, in a lucid dream. And he just fucking nailed it. And then when he went into the actual thing, it was like a breeze for him. So you can, yeah. you can have like real world applications applied in the lucid dream state and it will actually carry over into your performances in the physical world mm-hmm. why doesn't why isn't that real you know like just going yeah. back to what you're saying it gets you real results i used to um the same practicing thing i i moved to japan um and i lived there for five years and the first two years i went to school there and i was the only white kid in my class most of my class was Chinese um, and we we're doing class in Japanese so we would have Japanese classes language classes and have to remember all the Chinese characters the kanji and um, I used the dream space for that every night like rehearsing and rewriting kanji and um, and then I go into tests and and it would always be top of the class and there's just like you know 30 other Chinese kids just like what the fuck is this white kid doing like why is she so good at Japanese kanji <laughs> yeah 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 that's dope okay yeah I mean okay so I got I got a question since we're going into that since um so is your last name Sack Wilder or is it Sack and then you just added wild because you were wilder <laughs> it is Sack Wild it's just Damn. built into my name damn man yeah. that's like okay that's like the for people that don't know, wild is a form of lucid dreaming that essentially is like, I mean, really, when I think about it, it's like the holy grail. Like, it's the thing that I aspire to fucking want to get to, like that level of mm-hmm. essentially it's being able to do it every day. If you wanted to do it every day, you can do it every day and you could do it essentially at will, like when you want to. So it's called wake induced lucid dreaming. And Basically, I'm talking to Lana Sack Wake-Induced Lucid Dreaming right now. <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that almost feels like, 
when you go back into your life and you look at everything that you've been through and all your experiences and everything that you've learned from and you gained from, do you feel like it was almost sort of like the universe was putting this on, on you? Like all these things, like, like this is a gift that I want you to have because I feel like you're one of the ones that would know what to do with it or how to utilize it properly. Like a being born to do it kind of thing. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Somewhat. I mean, like I have a, a similar um, drug use, like addictive personality. Like you were saying, um, I've been addicted to drugs and I used them heavily throughout my teenage years. And, um, you know, the I drugs thought. that I used, <laughs> the drugs that I used most were like ketamine, MDMA, marijuana. All of those drugs are now being researched for work with depression and yeah. trauma. And then, you know, I had my dream space as well, which I used to help me out. And it seems like this, like, yeah, run up to doing stuff. It's weird. And then, you know, I did my master's on using uh, lucid dreaming for mitigating depression and working with anxiety and talking with a lot of people who went through addiction and those kind of things. So it does feel weird. It does. It's, it's strange how uh, a lot of my experiences up until now are kind of all suddenly tying in together. Mm -hmm. Almost like yeah. a synchronicity of sorts. Mm. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like that? Yeah. 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 I've kind of felt like, I've kind of felt like the same thing and it's, um, it's, it's a strange sensation because before I really, before I really knew what lucid dreaming was and before I really understood how important of a thing it could be to somebody if they utilize it properly, I was such a shitty person, man. Like I, I really, I look at myself like past iterations of Patrick as just being a garbage human mm -hmm. and having lucid dreaming be one of those things that was so critical to my evolution because it put me in more in touch with one, my fears. It put me more in touch with like my phobias. It put me more in touch with my bullshit. Yeah. It put me more in touch with myself in like a direct, very deep way. Um, okay. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of awesome thing about dream work as well. It's like dreams are going to show you, what you need to see not necessarily what you want to see totally right so even when we get lucid and we have a task and we maybe our ego comes in in the waking state we have an idea of how it's going to go down but it doesn't necessarily go down totally. like that yeah. yeah 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 so okay since we're on that topic that kind of segues perfectly into what i wanted to talk about you've read uh, i saw in your episode you had steve or uh you had Robert's book in your background, uh, Wagner's book. Yeah. So have you encountered the voice behind the dream before? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Can you tell me about some of your experiences with it? Like, do you remember the first time, the first experience that you had with it? Oh, good question. I don't know that I would know the first time, but. I think it's one of those things that has um, always made a regular appearance. Um, and it's, it's real interesting because I've found that a lot of my uh, more recent lucid dreams 
this voice makes an appearance even if I'm aiming to talk with uh, dream characters. So, um, for example, recently I've been doing a lot of dream work with connecting to people who are deceased in my lucid dreams and um, I'll get lucid and then I will be trying to find the person who's passed and often I'll try and talk to a character to locate them or ask a character, I don't know, something to do with them or if I can create like a visitation dream or that type of thing. And sometimes when I'm talking to these characters that are not super conscious, the voice will just come out of nowhere and reply back. So it's, it's almost like I'm in like the set of a play and mm -hmm. there's just a bunch of puppet characters and it doesn't matter who I talk to, it's like the dream or the voice behind the dream is interacting with me. That's fascinating. Yeah, I love that. I love that you said almost like a play, like it's a stage or something. Because yeah. I've, I've had this idea, like, okay, when you were a kid, did you ever do projects that involved like a diaphragm? So like it, like, uh, how would I explain it? I don't know if I'm using the right word, but like I had to do a, I had to do a project on a place in California called San Luis Obispo. Yeah. It's like in Northern California. It's a very like beachy place where there's like a lot of elephant seals and sea lions and everything. It's, you know, it's like a, it's like a kind of beachy town. So yeah. I had to do this project on San Luis Obispo. And so I had to, I got like a shoebox that I then like painted and colored and put like a blue sky and like clouds and everything. And then put in like the, the thing, I had like different animals and stuff in cool. the shoebox, right? Mm. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll look up at the sky because one of my favorite things to do, like whenever I've had conversations with that voice behind the dream, whatever it is, mm. I'm usually looking up at the sky when I'm doing it, you know? Cool. And when I look up at the sky, sometimes when I'm physically awake and I have that moment, for some reason I'll get like this sensation of being in a shoebox. So like that shoebox in the diaphragm for the project. So going mm -hmm. back to what you said about it being like a play or a stage and everything, I get yeah. that same sort of sensation of like, what if I'm just the thing in the shoebox? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's trippy. It's very. I, yeah. That's interesting. You said that my most recent probably interaction with the voice is, um, with looking at the sky as well um and having this like really epic kind of like lion king scene of all the clouds <laughs> like you know coming you know when simba's like speaking to mufasa and all oh. the clouds are like whirling <laughs> where are you you were saying <laughs> love it <laughs> it was exactly like that um so yeah, it's like, you know, everything was swirling around and then this voice was coming to me from the clouds and it makes it all the more just epic, you know, and it yeah. feels, that's why it feels so profound and you're having, yeah, this conversation with the dream, the universe, your subconscious, like God, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think that ties into like, oh, well, that's not real or that's your mind or whatever. But I don't know. I'm like, if I'm receiving information or even just hearing, sometimes it's that thing of like hearing something being said to you. Like, you know something, but it's not until 
your friend says it to you or whatever, that it really sinks in. I feel that same way about the voice behind the dream. Like that it's a friend of yours? Yeah, like a deep knowing part of myself that sometimes it needs to come from outside of myself for me to be able to like really hear it and take it in. Yeah, my whole my whole thing about the oh like okay, cuz there's a there's a couple of different schools of thought as to what lucid dreaming could be and depending on what your belief system is, what your yeah. if you're a religious person or not, if you're atheist, agnostic, whatever, whatever your perspective on the universe and everything is, it kind of can shape how you look at this one specific field, right? So there's this school of thought where which I've been on this side of of the I've been on this side of the schoolyard at one point before too, where I'm like, dreaming only takes place in your brain. Lucid dreaming is just you being conscious of you being in your brain. And then there's the school of thought that, and this is more or less where I'm now kind of leaning more towards is that like, sometimes it feels like, okay, so hold on. So there was that school of thought where it's only in your brain. Then there's a school of thought where you're like, projecting out somewhere like your consciousness is going somewhere else right and that kind of it kind of like i don't know how i don't know my words are really escaping me right now but it kind of like borderlines and has some sort of blending features to what people perceive as astral projection Uh and my personal belief of at this point is that i think that those two are more in alignment than not like i think wake induced lucid dreaming specifically and astral projecting i think in my opinion i think they're the same thing but i have one instance that makes me question that so i'm not like a firm believer in it but i'm also like i kind of think it is but there's one thing that happened where i'm like i don't know if it is because of this one thing what happened okay so i'll get to i'll get to that i'll get to that so but going to the fact going back to the school of thought of okay so if it is just taking place in your own mind right And people just saying like, oh, it's just, it's just your mind. Okay. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I can't prove that it is. And I can't prove that it's not right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I'm able to do it at all. Yeah. The fact that I'm able to, if it is inside my mind, the fact that I'm consciously able to dive inside my own fucking mind, <laughs> and do all these things. Why is that any less amazing? And why is that not being talked about more often? You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like For even sure. if that voice behind the dream is just your own subconscious or what the fuck ever. What? <laughs> you talk to your subconscious and it replies back to you? Like how does that not fucking like get talked about more? Yeah, exactly. Mind fucking yeah. like even if that's the simplest way of explaining what is going on. And I love what in our in our group chat when I asked this uh like a week back or so, I was like, what do you guys think the difference is between Wild and AP? And Reese was all like I honestly don't know, but I feel like there's no, we're oversimplifying it no matter what is happening. I think it's way yeah. too complicated of a thing to really put words into, you know? Yeah. I yeah. agree with that. Like, even if it is the simplest thing is, of saying is, is just in your mind or our consciousness is projecting out there. I think there's so much more to what consciousness is mm-hmm. and where it can go and what it can do. That it's like, it's fucking impossible for something as stupid as a monkey, which is what I am, to be able to actually put it in the detail that is necessary and to do it justice. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I I 100% agree. And I think, I think it's super cool that people want to 
research these states of consciousness and they want to make distinctions and they want to be able to say like, you know, this is the difference between an OBE or an AP or a lucid dream or um, whatever they want to do. I think that's great. But I think the whole being so caught up in it and like really trying to define it and you didn't have a lucid dream, you just had an OBE or like vice versa and the kind of backlash that seems to come through and like separate people yeah i'm just like fuck it dude like it's so fucking cool anyway (laughs) (laughs) who cares it's fucking cool man i did it you know (laughs) yeah so what was your experience yeah yeah and it really is just all about the experience that you're having it doesn't really it doesn't matter what label you want to put on it the fact is that you went and did a thing and you experienced it so no matter what title you want to give it it's still just all it boils down to at the end of the day is is it's an experience that you had you know yeah so what was the one that tripped you up all right folks that's going to do it for this episode of a lucid life podcast episode three with my special guest lana Sackwild, aka the lucid killer aka get lucid with lana i know i left that a kind of a cliffhanger right there and not telling that story but i promise that the next episode is going to get into that story right away so Stay tuned for that. Make sure you subscribe to No Spoilers Gamer. Keep listening to a Lucid Life podcast on Spotify and Apple. And check out Get Lucid with Lana on Facebook and at Lana Sackwild on Instagram. See you next time.